touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, man, we're about halfway through training camp, not through the preseason because, you know, they'll be back uh, in Kansas City for a couple weeks before the season actually starts. We're still about, what, five weeks away from that? Um, but the St. Joe portion um, has reached about the halfway mark, Nick. And uh, I know you got to spend some time up there. Um, so, first of all, how do you enjoy the commute? Um, and what are your impressions from camp? Uh, I mean, I'm used to the commute at this point. It's been 12 years now driving up there. So it's easier when it's from my house versus when it's one of the, uh, one of the TV stations that I've worked at over time that normally adds on about uh, another 40 minutes to the drive. So right. the fact that I don't have to do that's very, uh, very delightful time, very delightful, but I know my key points, you know, you just got to get up there that first time. And for me, you know, it's Platt city. We're there. All right. We're on our way. That's checkpoint number one. Yeah, checkpoint the big orange water tower. Um, maybe. I just know it's Platt City. Um, then at that point, you get by the truckway station. That's uh in Weston area. You get by that one. That's number two, Weston. Then the then the truckway station. Then the rest area, and then somewhere along the way, you you pass by uh, Dearborn and Fawcett and uh, Camden Point, and then you make your way. Uh, into Buchanan County. And that's when, you know, you're really cooking at that point. You're, you're close, you're close at that point. And then, uh, there's a cell tower that you see each time you go by. That's when you know, you're like, all right, I'm less than five minutes away from it. And then you see the next seven exits, St. Joe. And you're like, boom, we're there. We're there. We made it to St. Joe. Yeah. My commute's a little different. Cause mine's more than an hour from my house to get up there. So like, I got to get to I 70 downtown, the I 29 split, Platt city and then 36 highway. So I'm not quite as detailed with, with mine. Cause I have a lot farther to go. So basically you just did this topic so you could complain about your drives, the days you've been up there. That's what I'm hearing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm about as far since I live in independence, it takes me just about as long to get up there as it would from the station anyway. So <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to hear this development, Todd. I hope uh, if only you had an opportunity to choose a house that would have been the Northland and saved you time. Well, man, uh, you get better bang for your buck down where I'm at, brother. With that attitude, you do, Todd. With that attitude, you do. So I saved myself $30,000, brother. Well, hey, how about those Chiefs, huh? Uh, yeah, well, I don't make what the Chiefs players make, so that $30,000 is pretty important to me. Um but I just um, look, I, I first thing I want to know, I, I think both of us, if you go back in and check the receipts on previous podcasts, defensive line was the biggest question mark you and I had coming into camp, right? Yeah. Um, is that still the case, though? I mean, look, this is the show me state. Frank Clark's going to have to go out there and do it, starting with the Arizona game and moving forward to prove that the changes he made in his lifestyle and the recommitment he made. Uh, to the Chiefs and to his NFL career are going to pay dividends on the field. But when you he's, – he's noticeably slimmer than, than he was the last couple seasons. And then with the addition of Carlos Dunlap, um, I, I'm, I'm less concerned – certainly less concerned about the defensive line than I was, say, two months ago. Um, is that still, though, your, your biggest 
um, area of concern after being up at camp or has something else cropped up? Um, I mean, the pass rush along the defensive lines up there, I still don't think – I personally don't think they have a pass rushing one-tech de- uh, defensive tackle. I don't think they have a strong, reliable one-tech. I mean, Naughty can play against the run. Saunders can try to rush, and they can try to turn it into one person depending on the downs, but I just don't – I don't see either one being impactful in that regard. And unless they're wanting to bring in Dominic and Sue in, I just don't know if it's out there on the market to be able to find. And even Sue would have to be from a rotational perspective. But I, I'm concerned about who's going to help Chris Jones um take up some of that pressure in the middle and try to help collapse that pocket in i just don't think that person's on the roster right now i think wharton's more of a rotational guy behind chris jones but i mean carlathis and dunlap i think they're going to work in together on the left side i mean we'll see what frank does i mean he showed some acceleration but we'll see when the games come around how he's able to turn that speed into it and if he still has power to it when he's playing other tackles that aren't, aren't on the chief's roster and then um I just don't see another guy who can rotate in with Frank right now. I mean, I know Mike Dana is going to do it and Joshua Kando's there, but I just don't, I don't feel comfortable at the one tech spot and I don't feel comfortable with who's, who's behind Frank if he gets hurt. And then obviously quarterback, quarterback, the backup quarterback spot behind Mahomes. I mean, Henny, Henny's been accurate a lot up there, but in all fairness, Chase Daniel was too. And Chase Daniel was more of a gamer. And he'd showcase himself there, but um, yeah, I, I have concerns on on the uh, if if something happened where Mahomes need to take some uh, take a game off or something like that. I don't know if they have a quarterback on the roster that you would truly feel comfortable with, or that they could quote unquote develop behind him to be a reliable number two. Yeah. I mean, look, the way I feel about it is if Mahomes goes down, the season's probably torpedoed anyway at that point. Um, so, um, but look, it's telling, and it's always been telling to me that uh, a couple of years ago when Mahomes did get hurt, they went to Matt Moore, not Chad Henney. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think they obviously feel they like Bouchelle. Uh, they liked him enough to move him to the, to the active roster when from the practice squad, when Arizona put a claim in on him. Um, you know, but yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable with either of those, those guys starting, uh, you know, maybe they can just run wildcat with Travis Kelsey and, and we'll see how that works out. Um, I mean, I think anything's on the board at this point, I do think it'll be interesting to see how they use the offensive line or the, sorry, the defensive line, you know, cause you mentioned, uh, you know, pass rushdowns. What are some options there? Carlos Dunlap talks like he wants to be a three down guy. I don't, you know, like you said, if he's rotating with Karloftis, I don't see any way that he's a, a three down guy unless they rotate series. Um, you know, so it would be interesting to see, do they reduce him or Mike Dana inside at times? Um, if Colin Saunders, you know, can't stay healthy and can't, can't produce a push alongside Chris Jones in the middle. I mean, uh, maybe they'll have to get creative. You know, it didn't work out real well when they moved Chris Jones outside to defensive end last year, but they might have some options to reduce some guys inside if they want. I mean, the one thing that was intriguing about what Steve Spagnuolo said now that he could actually talk about Carlos Dunlap this week, instead of uh, a theoretical player, they might be signing when he spoke with the media last week before the signing was official. Um, you know, they talked about, they like his length, um, and certainly he's a veteran guy with, with enough want to and enough uh, knowledge to get to the quarterback. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's an option, you know, um, but 
but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to, it's going to have to be some combination of uh, Frank Clark, Karloftis and Dunlap and Chris Jones getting to the quarterback more often than not. Cause those are the only guys who have shown that they can do it in the past. Um, or, you know, in, in the case of Karloftis were drafted specifically because that's his role, right. Is to, he, he's supposed to have some value getting to the quarterback, but I do, I do think that the chiefs, uh, if Frank Clark can give you more than he gave you the last couple of years, I do think the chiefs are poised to do a better job at turning pressure uh, into sacks this year um, and, and affecting the quarterback in some ways. And look, that's a good place to start for improving that defense. In my opinion, pass rush is going to decide how that defense goes this year. If it's going to be more, more of what it was last year, or is it going to be improved overall? So, I mean, they've, you know, like we said, I mean, they've added Dunlap, Frank Clark's tried to, you know, change a little bit, his style tried to be faster. I mean, Chris Jones, you're hoping he's going to be healthy, not have an issue with the wrist or the groin, like he mentioned, I believe, in some of the pressures at the end of the year. And um, and then, you know, you're, you're hoping Carl Loftus can, can be a rotational guy. So, I mean, you know, you have – you're hoping to get improvement at, at four, you know, from four different guys, but what's behind them, I don't see any difference out there on the field. Well, I mean, the reality is there's not much, right? They didn't really bring anybody else in in those spots. I, I do think that the nice thing about the addition of Dunlap that I don't, I mean, obviously they needed extra help there, but I think it does take some pressure off Karloftis to have to hit the ground running, um, you know? And if it's a situation like it has been um, in a couple other seasons with Spagnuolo's defense since he got to Kansas City, where it took the defense half a season to gel and then they kind of hit their stride sometime in November. Um, you know, the addition of Dunlap, assuming he stays healthy and all those caveats gives, gives that developmental time for Karloftis, I think. Um, and then I think you, you know, the hope, I think if you're the chiefs and look, Dunlap talked about how the, the chance at playing time and not wanting to just be a, you know, a, a third down guy, things like that was part of the reason he, he chose the chiefs along with the chance at a Super Bowl or at the very least a playoff win, which he hasn't had in his 12-year career to this point. Um, you know, that's part of uh, what tipped the scales uh, in the Chiefs' favor. But I also think that, you know, it may be a situation where you see Dunlap a little bit more early, and then by the end of the season, you're seeing Karloftis, you know, play more late. Because in theory, he should have fresher legs and, and should have a better understanding of the defense and what it takes to, to excel at the NFL level. Um, so that may be an ideal situation from a rotational perspective there, because even if Dunlap isn't happy that he's not out there as much toward the end of the season, you know, if they're in a playoff push and once they get to the playoffs, I've got to imagine that, that the chance to chase that Super Bowl and that postseason success he's never tasted um, would, uh, uh, you know, would kind of rejuvenate him down the stretch. We shall see what happens in the preseason, Todd. Um, speaking of the preseason, I, I, like, look, I, I think there's one area where if I had some concern, you know, I think cornerback was always a spot where you were kind of a little, you know, a little iffy, right? They lost Trevorius Ward. Um, you know, he got a big money contract from San Francisco and, um, you know, you like Sneed as a, but I like him more in the slot than I do outside. You've got Rashad Fenton, who's your only like proven commodity outside is, is hurt. 
Um, you know, you brought in McDuffie, but he's, he's a rookie. He's a little bit undersized. I mean, you know, they like him and he's, he's made a few plays primarily against like second string. Right. But he's looked fine when he's been out there, but you're really waiting for the the preseason to see what he can do. Um, the depth there, um, you know, I, I am a little bit worried if Rashad Fitton's injury lingers into the, the regular season, um, you know, I mean, I, I do have some concern about a fairly young secondary, especially at the corner spots and what they um, are, you know, are going to do, especially, you know, with that tough early season schedule. I mean, I think the Chiefs are okay with having some struggles in the secondary. I think, they, I think they're just looking to get faster and younger at the position. I think they're okay with some of the bumps they may take early on and some of the communication breakdowns and issues. So I, I see the Chiefs being all right with all that. And um, I think personally, I'm expecting Fenton to be back before the season starts. So, I mean, I've already uh, mentally, I've got him penciled in as the other corner opposite McDuffie with Williams getting time to kind of grow into the position and maybe become that starter long-term or rotate in some capacity. And I'm, I'm expecting Snead to be the inside corner and then, you know, I think it's going to be Reed and, and Thornton and Thornhill on uh, at the safety spots, and then we'll uh, we'll see from there. But I uh, I, I will say Jalen Watson, he's going to have to go on the practice squad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's that's the nicest way I can say that he 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 his head his head looks like it's spinning out there to me. Got yeah, the athletic the ability, the game's but too it, fast it's for him right now. It's spinning. You know, the game's too fast. And look, they've tried to put him um, with the with the number one defense at times, um, you know, and Spagnuolo explained that part of that is, um, you know, because they want to get a better evaluation of him when he's working with guys who um, know what they're doing a little bit more. Um, but he also said that that the game is just a little on the fast side for Jalen Watson right now. Um Joshua Williams, though, I mean, continues to impress. I mean, I don't know if the Chiefs are trying to hide him a little bit uh, by by letting Watson soak up some of those first team reps, or you know, especially when they do like a 10-10-10 practice. If you've got Watson or uh, sorry Williams uh, going with the the second string, then he goes against uh, the number one number one offense. So it may look like he's been demoted, but they may actually be trying to get him better reps in situations like that when they're going ones versus twos and things like that. But um, you know, they talked about Steve Spagnola talked about, they've been really impressed with the way he's bought into the technique that he and Dave Merritt want their corners to play in press coverage that his length, his speed, um, his fluidity has, has really shown up, um, as a press man corner, um, how valuable and how important do you think that can be if he's a guy, um, you know, who can, uh, body a guy up at the line of scrimmage and kind of take away a, a, a top option. I mean, the reality is that's the whole reason they drafted him. They drafted him because he fit what, what Steve Spagnuolo is about, what Dave Merritt can coach. And he had the high, high upside athletic ability wise, and he had the long arms and long arms showcase themselves on a regular basis out there in the practice field. Because the last time I saw a guy that had arms that long was Sean Smith when he's with the chiefs at corner, not the defensive lineman, um, the cornerback. And like, I mean, Joshua Williams is the closest I've seen to that, to that equals to that. And you may not think that that's a big deal, but when you're going against the Jamar Chases, T. Higgins, uh, Gabriel Davis, or even Stefan Diggs, 
you know, you Stefan Diggs, that's an advantage. If you can hang with him on the route and then just get your arm in there, even though he's extended his arms out, like you can swat that down. So that's, that can be an advantage for him. And you have that, that ability to jump and that length height wise. So, I mean, the Williams has a lot of the physical makeup that I think really thrives in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. So I, I think long-term, like Williams has a lot of promise long-term. Um, I just want to see him get the time to kind of develop as the season goes along versus, Hey, you're starting opposite McDuffie. Good luck to you. Yeah. I, I think he's going to play a role though in their sub packages um, pretty early in the season. I, I, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to have a choice. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, the timeline for Fenton has always been, um, you know, back half of training camp um, before he would be back from that shoulder surgery. Um, so there's nothing to say that, that, there certainly hasn't been any indication that that's not still the timeline, right? That they still expect to get him back before camp, you know, but he's going to need some time to get up to speed. They may need to, you know, they may need to lean on Joshua Williams some early in the season. Um, if that's the case, um, you know, and, and I, I think he's going to have a role to play, but I, I think unlike Jalen Watson, I don't think that, that, the the moment that the transition to the NFL has been too big for him, which is always a concern when you're coming from a smaller school and maybe didn't go up against, you know, SEC caliber, Big Ten caliber wide receivers on a regular basis. Um, but so far, he seems to be holding his own. Um, so anything else on the defense? I mean, look, um, the linebackers, I think, continue to impress Nick Bolton. Um, you're not hearing a lot about Nick Bolton or Willie Gay other than Willie, when Willie Gay says he wants to lead all NFL linebackers in interceptions. Um, but I think that's twofold, right? I mean, they're not really tackling guys to the ground right now. So you don't have a lot of plays where Bolton's going to be in the backfield getting TFLs, um, you know, or, or things like that. Uh, but uh, you know, you also don't see them, um, you know, I mean, they, they still show up. I think the, I think the linebackers have a chance to really make a leap this year and establish themselves as, um, uh, you know, one of the elite young linebacker pairings in the NFL when, when you talk about Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, with Willie Gay and obviously with Bolton, like you said, I mean, they're, they're going to be integral parts of that defense. And I mean, they're going to continue to build off what they've done and like it's their defense now and they'll showcase their downhill ability and their speed. And I mean, that's fine that Gay has that uh, goal for, you know, getting that many interceptions and he talked about the ones he dropped in the presser and everything. And I get that, but at the end of the day, I mean, whatever equates to wins is kind of all that matters. Then the third spot, I think ended up being taken up by Elijah Lee. I think he's got a genuine chance to be the other starter over uh, Jermaine Carter, who I think is going to be more of a special teams guy. And then, you know, Leo, Leo Chanel, I know, uh, look, I mean, the reality is he's a downhill guy. He's, he can blitz. He can help in short yardage run support, and that's going to be his game and his wheelhouse and maybe drop back in his own coverage. But you don't want that dude out in space. Pacheco uh, <laughs> Pacheco uh, juked him pretty significantly multiple times when I've watched him out there. So, I mean, that's just, you know, linebacking group. They've got a certain style that they're, they're going to play, and, I mean, teams are going to take advantage and isolate them from time to time. And that's where Elijah Lee, uh, Bolton, and, and Willie Gay are really going to have to – be on point yeah and elijah lee's uh, look I, I mean he's been fine it's a, it's a good story to you know local kid uh coming back and, and having a chance to to live a dream start at arrowhead but 
Um, I mean, do you feel like he's a, an upgrade over Damian Wilson? Um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, you know, Ben, ne the Ben Neiman's of the world guys like that. I mean, it, or is that still going to be a, a spot where teams will look to target and take advantage? I mean, we'll see what happens when they showcase themselves in the preseason. I mean, worst case, Elijah Lee is going to be, a, as Dave Tovey's called, a four-phase four special teams performer. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, he'll uh, – worst case, he'll he'll be really good at that. So, I mean, like he's got something to lean back on. But, I, I mean, I was surprised when I saw him getting some reps with the ones when I was up there a handful of times. But, I mean, athletically, he's he's capable of doing it. And they're obviously checking it out, and they kind of trust him. So, you know, we'll see how many times they're in a three linebacker set in, the, in those situations. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see it, but I mean, like the, like there's only, I know this sounds weird to say, but there's just, there's only so much you get to a certain point where there's only so much you can glean from watching camp and them going against each other every single day, knowing their teammates and everything. Like, it's just, you got to go against different levels of competition. And that's what the preseason games kind of help give those final evaluations and kind of give you those game type situations when you can't always prepare for everything. Because as, as I talk about year after year, there's times up there. I mean, we don't know in the, we don't know in the media tent when we're up there. I mean, there's certain times the defense is working on specific things and the offense is giving them looks. And there's times where the offense is working on specific things and the defense is giving them looks. So when we're sky more caught that touchdown the other day, I know fans got pretty pumped about that deep ball that Mahomes threw to him, but then, you know, but then they're like, oh, but they're like, oh, where, where was the corner at? I'm like, look, there was something they were working on and that they wanted to showcase. And so, like, that's why I don't, I don't always, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't panic whenever I see a play being made. I just see a guy in the moment taking advantage of the situation, regardless of what the circumstances are, of what looks they're trying to give to each side of the ball. Yeah, I will say this. Anytime you see, Leo Chanel, if he's on the field running sideline to sideline or having to turn and run downfield, it's probably not going to end well for the Chiefs based on early returns. So there could be some some Ben Neiman-like moments if he gets caught uh, in coverage. <laughs> well, we all have our struggles, Don. But I, d I do know somebody that showed up uh, this week. They, uh, they, ended, uh, they ended their... Uh their de, you know their departure from the team on monday i believe is it the energy giver i don't is that, i don't know what, what that's that's how, and andrew wiley talked about how the difference in energy in the offensive line room and the huddle when orlando brown jr is there oh. is immense wow well that's that's high praise right there so um no, he just talked about the personality, uh, you know, and and him always smiling and stuff like that. And look, we talked about this last week on the podcast that uh, it would uh, be a, a strong indication of what Orlando Brown Jr.'s true priorities were, uh, whether he showed up to camp this week when they got into pads. And guess who showed up Monday um, and started practicing Tuesday? Orlando Brown Jr. Um, so, uh, I mean, look, I, I think that gives the Chiefs the best chance to succeed this year. Yeah. Um, and kudos to Orlando Brown Jr. for for doing his part, recognizing that and showing up um, when the team need him to be there. Yeah, I, I think he had a little bit of help to get to camp, but um, I'm glad he glad he uh, you know he listened to some advice and showed up to camp. So I mean, look, I mean, he did what he had to, and I mean, when he showed up, 
he looked in shape. He looked like he'd lost weight. So, I mean, you, you know, to be able to see that up close, I mean, I was like, okay, I mean, he's lost some significant weight. So props to him. And, you know, I mean, he took the media questions and I could tell it wasn't his favorite thing to do <laughs> to answer all those, but that that's part of the thing. But the, the beauty of it is it's all behind him now. Like he's not going to, there's not speculation on it anymore. Now, not speculation on when he's going to be there. He doesn't have to, he's physically there in the moment and able to participate and get better at his craft and, and be able to get in football shape and be able to do all that. So, I mean, all that combined, like, I mean, you know, like there's, all you can do is build off of it at this point. So we'll see what he's able to do this year and and if he can be able to turn it into, you know, uh, the type of contract and guarantees that he wants. Okay. So he's one of two veterans who noticeably remade their body and, and is a critical piece in the trenches. Do you expect a bigger season from Orlando Brown Jr. or Frank Clark? I don't know. I have question marks for both of them. I really don't know. Because, I mean, Frank looks quicker around the edge, but I'm like, I'm wondering, like, how much power did he give up? You know, and I, I won't know that until I get to watch him against a handful of other opponents to be able to gauge that. So, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I can watch him in one-on-ones, but I I just, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Well, and Steve Spagnuolo addressed that a little bit when he talked about how, yeah, he looks slimmer, um, but it he said that, it's always been Frank's lower half where he generated the power. He compared him to Hugh Douglas a little bit, not a, a more, a leaner version of Hugh Douglas, but talked about that, you know, that who obviously was a, a great pass rusher back with the Eagles uh, back in the day. Um, you know, and he, he, I mean, look, as, as long as Frank didn't lose that, I think he'll still uh, maybe have that power element to his game. Maybe it won't be quite as, um, you know, as forceful, but if he's got the speed to get around the edge and actually close on the quarterback, that might make a bigger difference, um, you know, than anything. Cause he, you know, he, he had a fair number of pressures. He just wasn't able to finish and close last year at times, you know, and if he's that quarter second faster, maybe he does translate some of those pressures into sacks, you know, cause if you look at the numbers, the chiefs actually had a decent pressure rate last year, they were among the, the top five or 10 teams in the NFL in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback on plays, they were in the bottom five in terms of actual sacks though, you know, and, and if, you know, a slightly faster Frank Clark may be able to kind of resolve that imbalance. I, uh, I will say though, the man gave an entertaining press conference. That was some of the best, uh, some of the best sound, uh, chiefs players, uh, been able to give to the media during training camp for quite some time. I will look, I'll, I'll give Frank Clark credit. Like he, you know, off the field, obviously with, with the gun charges, some of the stuff that happened at Michigan, stuff like that. He is always, um, some of it self-inflicted, but had to answer some tough questions from the media. Um, you know, whether it was surrounding the draft early in his career, um, and, and certainly last year, uh, after the kind of tumultuous off season he had, um, in 2021, but he's a guy who always stands up there and is very, very honest and candid, you know, um, you know, and so kudos to him for that. And he, look, he's been that way about his circumstances growing up, you know, uh, being homeless in LA and some of the issues with his family and stuff like that. Um, um, that's just who Frank Clark is. I mean, he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. Certainly, um, you know, as you know, Nick, I have an affinity for, for folks like that, um, who've been through a little adversity and, and aren't shy about talking about it and wearing their heart on their sleeve. Uh, but it was interesting. I mean, he gave up red meat, he gave up alcohol. Um, he said that it was a heart to heart with Andy 
that he had after the season that kind of convinced him that he needed to make some changes in his life. Um, you know, if he wanted to prolong his NFL career and then credit to him, he went out and did it. He didn't, he didn't have the legal issues that he did last year, this off season. And he came into training camp looking like a different guy. Um, and I think that that probably is, we all expected in March that Frank Clark was going to get cut. Right. I mean, that was just, they were going to eat 13 plus 13 million plus in dead money and move on from it because the contract had become an albatross. And then instead they basically gave him 1.4 million than they would have had to give him to cut him and brought him back. And a lot of us were kind of surprised and kind of thought, well, you know, you're not going to be able to find a veteran guy for 1.4 million who can, you know, set an edge like Frank Clark at defensive end and already knows the system. So maybe it's a, a fine gamble on the part of Brett Veach. And, you know, it's kind of them zigging when, when, uh, you know, you expect them to zag, but if they already had a sense that this was possible, um, then maybe there was a little bit more to that decision, obviously, than, than we knew at the time. Um, and it really, you know, again, remains to be seen whether it actually matters, um, you know, come, come game one of the season and, and moving forward into September, October, November. Um, but, um, and I get it. Look, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get on the Frank Clark hype train any more than anybody else, because, um, you know, I think you and I have defended him more than a lot of people in terms of what he brought to the team overall, in terms of leadership attitude and, and, you know, being able to, to set an edge and play against the run and stuff like that, even though his sack numbers have been down. Uh, but I, I mean, I think a healthy, productive Frank Clark can be a difference maker for this team. I think that's what the chiefs are hoping for too. <laughs> yeah. I, they have to be, I mean, because it, that's, they don't have a whole lot else out there. No. I'm switching over to the offense though. Um, the running back situation will be interesting. I, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think is, is on the team, right? I think there's a growing sense that Isaiah Pacheco is going to be on the team as well. Yeah, um, for me, it's not growing. That's been locked in for a while. Right. But I mean, I think, I think that that's becoming a, a pretty, pretty much a consensus. Um, you know, I mean, I think Michael Burton will probably be there. Andy Reed likes his fullbacks and, you know, Dave, Dave Tobe always makes use of, you know, whether it's Anthony Sherman or Michael Burton the last few years, that fullback on special teams as well. Um, do you see them carrying four tailbacks? Um, or do you think it comes down to McKinnon versus Ronald Jones for that last spot at the running back position? No, I, I think they're going to keep four. I just don't know if it's going to be Ronald Jones or if it's going to be um, Derek Gore. Derek Gore. I think they'll have to try to use one of them as uh, a trade potential to see if there's somebody else they can get, whether it's um, whether it's the positions we talked about, if there's a defensive tackle or defensive end that somebody may be thinking about moving on from that they can get for them, or if um, or if there's maybe another position that they can kind of add on to whether it be a, uh, I don't know, third quarterback <laughs> or a, uh, or a uh, backup offensive tackle that could play behind Orlando Brown or something of that nature. Like those, those are kind of the areas that I think if, if the chiefs can upgrade at those spots and not have to hope and hope and wish on waivers, because they're not going to get who they want on waivers. They're going to have to, they're going to have to trade somebody they, for them. Yeah. They'll be picking what 29th on the waiver wire. I think. Yeah, they'll be picking in an area where it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, all those combined, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, Ronald Jones, he's, he's, you know, he can play between tackles. He's a power running back. He's physical. I mean, he, he's got, he had better burst as camps kind of gone on. He looked slow early on, but he had a little bit better the past couple days that I was up there. Um, we'll see where he's at whenever the game situations roll around in preseason. But I mean, you know, there's, there's not a ton. You're going to be able to use him as a, as a pass catcher. Uh, and, and he's not, I doubt he's going to play a lot of special teams. So that's kind of where you're kind of deciding on that fourth running back spot between my opinion, between him and Gore, because McKinnon bring McKinnon and Pacheco and uh, Clyde, I'll bring versatility in, in both run and pass. So, I mean, they, they, they'll all be utilized. It just comes down to what they want to do with, uh, with Jones or uh, Derek Gore. And, and look, I, it was striking uh, on back-to-back reps Thursday during their 10, 10, 10 practice. Uh, and look, it is what it is. I mean, th- those, those are set up for 10 plays for offense, 10 plays for defense. You know, everything's set up for one side to succeed in those situations, but they basically ran the same play twice, a run off the left end. And the difference between Ronald Pacheco or sorry, Ronald uh, Jones running it. And then Isaiah Pacheco, the very next rep running it, the the bur- the difference in in down downfield burst was was just evident, um, and Pacheco had him hands down. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons to to like a, a you know Kareem Hunt type guy. Are you buying that? Can can Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, have that kind of impact in Andy Reid's system, or or is that too much to put on a seventh round pick out of Rutgers? One, I hate comparisons, like because you're trying to sit. You're setting players up for something where fans think they're a certain type of player. Cause like anytime I've talked about Sky Moore, people are like, Well, is he like Tyreek Hill? And I'm like, No, they're different players, man. Because like Tyreek, it was a guy that what what made Tyreek so special is just like he could he could track a football, maintain his speed while changing direction or leaning a different way to adjust to the football. And there's not many receivers in the league, probably outside of Stefan Diggs that can do that and maintain the speed and maintain that burst. Like it's just like, he just had such a special ability to track the football here in Kansas city. And like sky Moore is not there, but where sky Moore is better than where Tyreek was as a rookie sky can, can sell routes and sell fakes and run routes. And within 10 yards that like Tyreek couldn't do his rookie year and McColl's still working on, you know, like, I mean, like if we're comparing to like, that's why I don't really like comparing players because they all come in with different skill sets. And so we'll see what it is. And I know people, some people like usually like Antonio Brown. I'm like, I know they both were in the Mac. I get it, but like they're different players. Like let Sky Moore be Sky Moore. Like, I mean, that's, you know, just let him, let him do it. Just let him showcase himself in games and go from there. But um, I, yeah, when I, when I saw the comparison to Kareem Hunt, I'm like, yeah, they're two different sizes, two different players, two different abilities. They're, they're not, they're not the same. So I I didn't think that it was in the ballpark comparison-wise, but it also sets Pacheco up to where people mentally think of this power physical runner now that's just going to run over people and run over people in space. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're, they're different runners. I will say if he fumbles on his first play and then scores three touchdowns in the opener at, at Arizona, though, um, I'm, I'm going to have to jump on that. He's the second coming of Kareem Hunt hype train. Well, I wish you the best in that one, Todd. You know, you, you also mentioned kind of the Sky Moore, you know, Tyreek Hill. You know, obviously they're both undersized, shorter guys, right? Um, um, 
Sky Moore is a little bit. I, I he, he seems to be a little bit thicker than Tyreek, but Tyreek was just all muscle, right? Um, so slightly different, different body type. But I will say, I, I think the Tyreek Hill compared, I don't think they're going to go away. And the reason is because you're still going to see a lot of the gadget plays with McCole Hardman. And obviously he's going to be on the field more at the outside receiver. But I think it's going to be Sky Moore who gets the other jet sweeps and um, gets involved in that wide receiver run game. And, and you know, I think it's he and McCole Hardman who are going to get the, the little tunnel screens and some of the some of the plays they used to run for Tyreek. I think Sky Moore is going to be one of the first guys up when it comes to um, those kind of reps. So I think it's going to be natural or inevitable that um, that, you know, those things follow Sky Moore around a little bit, especially if he also. Um, is, you know, he's, they're working him out at punt returner too, right? So if he's also doing some work in the return game, I just don't think he's ever going to be able to escape it, especially because he was the guy they brought in, uh, you know, from a draft perspective, the year that they traded Ty, uh, you know, Tyree kill away. So for better or worse, I think he's going to have that around him, which is why I think if you're sky more, you've got to focus on the things that you can do and being the best player he can be, you know? I mean, like you said, that's winning at the line of scrimmage. You know, that may not, that may mean he's more of a possession chain mover type guy than a deep threat, especially early in his career. But, but we'll see what Andy has up his sleeve. Um, you know, and, and you also got to remember in terms of some of the deep stuff, I think they're looking at the speed that Marquez Valdez Scantling and, and McCole Hardman Jr. have to replace some of that downfield type stuff. But that brings me to my next point because. If I had one big concern early in camp, it is that um, MVS, who was prone to dropping balls when he was with Green Bay, um, has shown that he's still prone to dropping balls uh, in training camp, um, and you know, which makes sense, right? A, a zebra doesn't change his stripes, but how big of a worry is that for you? You know that uh, that that Patrick Mahomes may not trust him as much if that trend continues. I mean, that was the knock on him and why the Packers were willing to let him go into free agency and weren't willing to pay top dollar for him. Um, where I've noticed the drops, though, is when it's past 20 to 25 yards. Oh, absolutely. Like, like it's more the deep ball passes. So I'm kind of wondering where he's having trouble tracking it and adjusting to it, or if he's just adjusting to Mahomes, you know, speed of throwing um, and the way the ball comes in versus Rodgers and if that, how long that's going to take to acclimate and get up to that point. So that's why I don't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not ringing the alarm and in pure panic mode right now for any of the receivers, because the reality of it is like Mahomes is starting from scratch with, with this group for the most part with Watson, you know, with Justin Watson, with Juju Smith Schuster, with Marquez Valdez, Cantling, uh, with, uh, you know, with Sky Moore and like th those guys, I mean, that's, that's part of, you know, that's just part of what it's going to be the entire year. And if those guys haven't been together to, you know, for three to four or five years, like you're not going to have that same chemistry like you did with Tyreek and Kelsey because they haven't, they just haven't been in all those game situations together to know that and work on that day in and day out. They just don't have all that time that they've been able to invest in. And I mean, that's why those throwing sessions down in Texas were so critical because it helped them get a jump start on a lot of things to try to kind of, know what to mentally work on whenever they got up here and what they all kind of want to work on and adjust from that point. And that's why Brady always had the throwing sessions. He did. That's why Peyton 
wouldn't have the throwing sessions and why good quarterbacks want to is because they understand the importance of timing and rhythm. And so they want to work with what the receiver's seeing and what, and tell them what they're seeing and how they can all go about it collectively together. So, I mean, I, I think, I think, uh, Valdez scaling has been reliable within the short and intermediate routes. I think he's a reliable receiver. He's got good arm extension to be able to kind of attack the football and, and not have it deflected. But I mean, there were, obviously there have been some drops when it's past, you know, the 20, 25 yard range. Um, so I'm kind of curious if they'll be able to get that figured out. But it's something else I will say, not just related to him, but it's in my mentions. So I'm just going to address it now. Josh Gordon. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. He's he he's dropped almost. He's dropped at least a third, if not half of the passes. I've watched that guy do up a training camp. And there were, there were some times he was running with the twos and even the threes when I was up there. So, I mean, like it's, He's he got, is. he's got, he's got a long way to go. If he's going to make this roster. I, during like OTAs and mini camp, I was like, man, Josh, Josh Gordon looks good. He may actually have a role. He has gone full on like Houdini, like just disappeared in training camp. Um, to the point that like, I think Corey Coleman, uh, who by the way, couldn't feel the punt to save his life earlier this week, but like Corey Coleman may have passed him as more likely to make this roster yeah, he is. than Josh Gordon, which is not something I expected uh, early in the year. But like, I mean, I would think like Doris Fountain has a better chance of making this roster uh, right now, almost yeah. certainly than, right than now, Josh yes. Gordon at this point. I, I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, like, like I'm saying, Gordon's going to have to have lights out performances coming up here and like he he's gonna have to really push himself because man the amount of drops he has and it's not just one quarterback like it's not one quarter it's all the quarterbacks and i'm like that's really not good if it's all the quarterback like if there's somebody you have rhythm with with one all right cool two all right you know make it work but when all the quarterbacks and you have the same drops and like they're routine like it's just a normal slant route or crossing route and like he just drops it and i'm like man boy, I mean that is not good Honestly, I will tell you, like, I don't think either one of them are making the roster, but I would probably give the edge to Cornell Powell over, over Josh Gordon at this point. Yeah, based you're on what a little, I've seen a little it, reckless now. Based on what I've seen at camp, though. Um, you know, well, I mean, look, Cornell Powell, they at least are using on, you know, the special team scout team when they're, when they're up there, <laughs> like, um, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I would uh, uh, just slam on the brakes on on that that hype train right now because it uh, it looks like it is it looks like it you know never quite left the station. It's certainly not looking good. He's got a he's got a long ways to go. Yeah, and that's especially true if they keep four tight ends again, which I think they will with Travis Kelsey, Blake Bell, uh, Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson. I mean, Fortson looks to be back to his old self. I mean, he's been hurt a little bit here you know with uh i think what it was a quad injury yeah he pulled a squad whenever he ran for that 75 yard touchdown yeah so back. but he but it you know earlier in the off season he looked to be back um to the guy that was the training camp darling last year so um other than that i mean it's kind of been it's kind of been a boring camp nick like normally you have like <laughs> You know, like you said, a, a training camp darling that emerges. I, I, 
Is there one in your eyes? I mean, what, what to you has become the storyline of camp? Because once they brought in Carlos Dunlap and you're kind of like, Oh, well, okay. So I'm less concerned about the defensive line. And once Orlando Brown jr. Reported, it's kind of like, what is the big storyline and, and what is, you know, what is it that you're paying attention to in the remaining five weeks? Cause I just, I don't see a whole lot there. Um, I'll, I'll give you my storylines. They're maybe not going to be the same as other people's. Um, the biggest one is Ken Mahomes and the, and the six wide receivers who I think are going to make the roster. Can they, can they get their passing on not, can they get their deep ball passing offense on point? How long does it take them to get in sync together collectively, whether it's Juju or about Scantling or Justin Watson or Sky Moore or McCole Hardman? Um, what what do they do to get it? Like, do they get in sync? I mean, do they get in rhythm or does it still just look like some, you know, miscommunication and some overthrows? Because <laughs> like that, that that's going to that's something that they're going to have to they want to be a dynamic offense overall. That's the first thing that's going to have to get in sync during this, during this five week point. And do you know who he, I mean, there are two guys I think that he has looked to have really good deep ball rapport with so far. I, I, um, and I, I'm curious to whether you agree with the two guys. So are, is there anybody you think has shown, um, to be in sync with Patrick on the deep balls, um, in, in what I would consider at least a mildly impressive fashion so far? Does it include tight ends or is it only receivers? Just receivers. Okay. If it's just receivers, Juju Smith Schuster and him are on point already. Yep. Like they're the closest to it. Um, second guy is honestly probably gonna be he hasn't had whenever I've been up there, he hasn't had a ton of reps with him. But the second guy is kind of a tie between Sky Moore, but also uh Justin Watson. See, and when I when I've been up there, McCole Hardman's looked really good down the field with him too, which was an encouraging sign. I thought that <laughs> there seems to be a connection, and and um, especially Thursday's ten 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 practice. I mean, he probably went six times in twenty plays, um, you know, including one section that was devoted to running to you know to McCole Hardman Jr. You know, and uh, contrary to what some people might have you believe. Uh, even on second reads, um, there was a time when they were trying to throw a pass the flats mm-hmm. to a tight end and it was covered. And so Mahomes came off it and came back inside to McCole Hardman on a drag route. And um, they seem to be in sync, but they've also hit some big plays down the field, which, you know, look, I mean, it, you know, it, like you said, it's training camp, um, especially some of those sessions are set up for the offense to, to succeed. And sometimes the defense is working on something you know, and it kind of gives up those, those plays over the top, but um, uh, it's been encouraging to see some of the guys that he has seemed to have a connection with down the field. Yeah. And I mean, and, and on the days when I was there, he, him and McCall weren't necessarily on the same page with some throws. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I would have loved to have seen it. It'd make me a little bit, a little bit less nervous on the D ball part of it, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's one of the parts that I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I mean, other than Juju and Kelsey, I mean, they've, they got a lot of work ahead of them with everybody else on the roster. I'll tell you the other, another guy who stood out. Um, and it sounds crazy to say after as much hype as he got last year, but Creed Humphrey <laughs> looks, 
uh, even better this year. Um, and he was ridiculously amazing as a, as a rookie, I thought, but Creed looks absolutely incredible up at camp, whether it's one-on-one blocking, whether it's watching him pull and get out in space on, on screens, whether it's, you know, getting outside and, and walling guys off on, you know, on run plays. I, I mean, um, like, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's incredible. He, he may be the most exciting second year player I can remember since Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a high praise there. High praise there, John. High praise. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, um, yeah, no, Creed, Creed's already a pro bowler. He's yeah. a pro bowler. Last been last year. Year. He's a pro bowler this year. I mean, when they're in one-on-ones, like people aren't, people aren't getting past them. He just uses those strong hands he's got and the, and the understanding of leverage that he has from his wrestling background just locks in and stops him. Cause Derek Dottie's one of the strongest guys on the team. And like, like Creed's just like, yeah, not today, <laughs> not it, tomorrow it was, either. <laughs> it was interesting. Cause a guy that you and I both, both like and, and appreciate his insight on offensive line and his insight on cookies. Um, Jeff Allen yeah. um, was talking about just how impressive it was to watch some, you know, some clips of, Creed stonewalling Derek Nottie one-on-one because of just what you talked about the strength that he has. And yeah. look, Allen's a guy who he's, I think he's gone up against Nottie a time or two in some of the dog days of training camp. So he would know what he's talking about. Right. So yeah, it, um, yeah, man. I mean, this, I will say Trey Smith's had some hiccups here and there. Um, that's sad for me to admit tough for me to admit. Um, but I mean, he's had, he's had some hiccups in a couple spots against Wharton, um, especially on some inside fakes with the spin move on it. That one was probably one of his worst reps to date that I've seen over a two year span. And I don't, I don't think Trey Smith is going to be playing tackle anytime soon. They may have given him some one-on-one chances and it, it didn't, it looked less than ideal <laughs> to where I probably want to keep him in at guard. Um, and then I know a lot of people wonder about Kennard. Kennard, Kennard's going to need some time. Like he's he's gonna need some time to to kind of adjust to the NFL and adjust to bull rushes and all that type of stuff to be able to potentially be able to play right tackle down the road um, and to be a, what I uh, the type of Pro Bowl caliber guard I think he could be long term if if they need him in that role but he's I think it's a stretch for him to be starting at right tackle when they play the Cardinals unless there's an injury. Yeah. And look, I, um, one, I wouldn't move Trey Smith. You got a good thing, but with Tooney Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't, don't try to fix it unless you feel like Allegretti needs to be out there for some reason. You got nowhere else to put him, but two, I, I liked what Andrew Wiley had to say. I mean, you know, he has been a guard by trade until, you know, this, you know, last year when he had to step in, it was the second year he'd had to step in at right tackle. Um, you know, he had to do it when Mitchell Schwartz and Mike Rimmers both went down um, in the 2020 season. And he was frankly overmatched in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Um, and then when Lucas Niang went down, Wiley got bounced outside again, and he was overmatched at times as well. Although I thought by the end of the season and, and into the playoffs, Wiley was holding his own and seemed to be playing guard a little bit better, but he hit free agency this year as a tackle after that experience. <clears throat> and, and I think that, uh, 
he spent a little more time focusing on the position. I think he get, like, spent a little more time brushing up on technique, getting better at, at footwork at the position, at his hand punch, at some of the little details that had kind of eluded him and, and made it a struggle for him. Um, he's never going to be the, the most dynamic guy in terms of athleticism uh, out there, especially out in space. But I think he can mitigate some of that with better technique, right? I mean, I think you can slow guys down if you're targeting your punches a little bit better and if you're squaring up a little bit better. So it allows you to maybe anchor uh, a little bit better at times. Or, uh, you know, I think certainly reps there to, to learn how to ride a guy out in that space, um, you know, and, and getting just more time with Patrick Mahomes back there makes a difference. Um, I, I'm well, I, I, I mean, I, I think Wiley ha- has a chance to be okay. And, and I think the other X factor there is look, Prince Tego Winogo looked pretty good last year in camp. You know, he was active here and there, um, you know, as the backup tackle last year, how's his leg injury and has he progressed at all? Is he a guy that, that they can have some confidence in, or does it end up being, you know, Garen Christian, who's a little bit more proven commodity in the NFL. That's their backup. Or do they look to upgrade, you know, like you said, through, you know, maybe trading, uh, you know, a Ronald Jones type or, or a Derek Gore type, you know, for, for a swing tackle help down the road. I mean, I think those are always in play, but um, I I, look, if the starting offensive line is Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Andrew Wiley, I'm going to feel good about that going into the season. If I'm the chiefs. Yeah. I mean, they're starting offensive line as long as they stay healthy. I mean, you're good with it. It's it's a matter of, if you have two injuries along that offensive line, it's going to start to get thin. Um, Cause Allegretti can work on the inside in one of those three spots. And I mean, Wiley, if he had to move in, he could, um, Austin Ryder, if he makes the roster, I mean, he can play center and be serviceable at it. Um, he's not gonna be Creed, but I mean, no, nobody's gonna be Creed. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, there, there is going to be a drop off. If something happens, to Orlando Brown, they're the first I'm just telling you right now, the first move you gotta make is sorry, Tooney's gonna go over the left tackle and Alcrow's gonna go to left guard. Like that's yeah. that would have to happen immediately because from what I've seen up there from Roderick Johnson, he just he 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 struggled with the speed of Frank Clark and he struggled with the bull rush of uh George Karloftis and when he's and and Roderick's more of a guard to begin with athletically and skill set wise. So it it wasn't it wasn't easy for him in that role. Um, when he was up there being asked to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another reason why it's, uh, nice to have Orlando Brown jr. Back. Um, because while, you know, uh, he may not be the best left tackle in the game. He's certainly not the worst either. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't dispute that one. Um, all right. Hey, anything else, uh, worth talking about? I mean, too early to start talking about punt return. Uh, you want to see some games first? Uh, well, uh, a special teams uh, bubble and that type of stuff. We can, we can wait on that part of it. I think we've given people mostly can, what they want to hear from camp so far. Are you saying we can punt that to another podcast? Yes, Tom. I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. Nailed the dad joke. Good job. <laughs> that's all I was looking for was for you to tell me good job. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I got nothing else. Um, you know, so. Um, you enjoy your commute and marking off the, the different gas stations and water towers and cell phone towers on the way up to camp next week. And they're called conti- checkpoints, Todd. I'll continue to, to get irritated, uh, you know, with my much longer commute. 
like I said, Todd, they're called checkpoints for me. Let me know I'm on my way. And then my final checkpoint is the McDonald's at the gas station. Right after you get off the highway, and I, I have been getting two sausage burritos each time. And so I don't waste time eating cereal at the house here in the morning. I can just take up, uh, get ready, and then head on up that way and then get the and burrito so you, right before. So you waste time at a drive to McDonald's drive through instead? I don't really waste the time because it's still more efficient. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know how you pour cereal and eat it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it takes me it takes me more time than you would anticipate. Okay. Not okay. from the process, just from the eating part of it. Because uh, I always have to oh. watch something on TV with it, and then I'll get distracted. Probably watch a little it. watch a little Yellowstone, and then and then before I know it, I'm like, uh oh, I gotta get going. So I don't I don't even allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You got to pick a short show uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know, one because otherwise the cereal gets soggy, and two because you know, like you said, then otherwise you've lost an hour of time. But good news is I already finished the four seasons of Yellowstone, so I got to find something new to do with that time now. All right. Um, well, uh, may I suggest Minecraft videos? Um, one of my kids uh, absolutely swears by them. It's a solid pass for me. <laughs> I'll, let the, I'll let your uh, seven-year-old son uh, continue to enjoy that. Uh, he, he's eight, um, you know, but just uh, if you want to know what my life is like, um, go to YouTube and look up Beck Bro Jack. Um, and then you will, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see what I'm up against. I can't wait, Todd. <laughs> can't wait to check this out. All right. Well, Hey, I got nothing else. So, uh, take care kids. <laughs>